Hello. Hello. Hello, yeah. it's up. Uh, in the yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, he's on the phone. No, well, I was trying to see if you were thinking I was getting cut in and out. <laughs> oh. Okay. Let's... Oh, I'm trying to think. Uh... Don't try too hard. Don't hurt yourself. So, Neil, did you by happen to chance check out the <laughs> Transformers Rescue Bots? No. <laughs> look on my um. Does it, look on my worse... Facebook profile? The links are on there. Is it's... it worse than Rescue Heroes? What was Rescue Heroes? Oh boy. <laughs> no, okay. Layman's terms, dude. Not a long story. Okay. What was were... just generally what? Okay, Rescue Heroes is a cartoon based off of a toy series meant for like five and under, uh, like to teach children five and under about what firemen and stuff do. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Well, no. This is this is basically, okay, for us actual Transformers fans that are, you know, 30 and over, we have Transformers. You should never put an age limit on what a true fan is because now you're just being snooty. Well, I'm talking about the actual fans that have been in the fandom since they were children. Okay, so 30 and over, that pretty much puts it there. Um... We have right now. We have Transformers Prime. That's that's the quote unquote adult cartoon that we have. That's for the fans. Yes, kids can watch it, but it's mainly for the fans. Hasbro and the Hub have now put out Transformers Rescue Bots, which is basically Transformers for kids. It's Optimus Prime only appears in select episodes. He's not the main character. The main characters are Heatwave, Blades, uh, there's a Constructicon-looking thing, and there's a police car. And they're basically rescue heroes for this city. I, I think it's... I don't so know. So it is like called. Rescue Heroes. It, it's kind of like Rescue Heroes, but with Transformers, it's basically... A that new, makes it worse. It ba- it's basically a new spin on the Transformers, and the... <laughs> The animation designs are so weird, and I I know, it's, I know it's made for kid kids, and that's that's not an cool. excuse. Oh my god, this looks like ass. This looks like Rescue Heroes, but with Transformers. Wait, this is this this is the animation. Yeah, this is this is shit. Well, it's for kids, dude. It's not for us. That's not an excuse. <laughs> we here at Animation Aficionados never use it's for kids as an excuse for shit. Am I right, Neil? Yeah. Wow, this is this is super duper mega shit. Holy crap! This is this is like bad Flash animation. <laughs> no, this is this 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 makes this makes the uh, failed uh, pilot uh, for uh, Racky Oasis Forever look like uh, Miyazaki. Oh my god! <laughs> no, no, I haven't even gotten to the cartoon yet. Uh, I... Turn your gain up. I can barely hear you. Here, let me. Scooching closer. There you go. No, I just went to MTV.com to get a sneak peek. The ad before it is for Trojan condoms. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. This makes Rescue Heroes looks look good. Rescue Heroes was based off of a fucking Fisher Price toilet. <laughs> well, this is play school. <laughs> Damn. Damn, we're going we're we're going like we're going like gang wars here. You know, I'm I'm happy with Transformers Prime. I'm happy with the serious cartoon. I can forgo their attempt at 
marketing towards kids. I mean, and honestly, that's what Hasbro does. They they market towards kids. They that doesn't never, make it right. But okay, but what I'm saying is their thing is to angle on the kid market because the way they look at it is they're partnered with Takara Tomy, and Takara Tomy are the people who do the stuff for the fans, for the ones that are actual toy collectors and stuff like that. So, um, Well, the thing is this. If you make something of quality, it doesn't matter what age group it, it goes to. If it's of quality, everyone will like it. That's the thing. This whole, this whole, we have to dumb it down, go to the lowest common denominator is, is just what people that are idiots say when, when people look at it analytically and say, this, this is like the stupidest thing you ever wrote. And they say, well, it's just for a kid. So what do you expect? It's like, as much as I love Steve voice acting, well, it's Wolverine in a robot's body. (laughs) 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 That's really what it is. This is this is absolute shit. This this looks like something that MTV used to put out as as those get, gag uh, flash animated reels. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it looks like M- MTV's attempt at Spider Man. <laughs> That's what I meant. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Web Comic Beacon, a topical web comics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Web Comic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World. Before web comics, there was independent and self-published web-release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello and welcome again to Animation Aficionados crossing over with Tooncast Beyond. We are continuing our look through the DC animated movies. I am your host, Ben, and we're joined by my co-host, TV's Mr. Neil. It's not that easy being green. And we have with us the host of Tooncast Beyond, TFG1 Mike. Waka waka. Yes, we are here and we are coming to, we only have two more episodes in the crossover spotlight. I'm loving that we're so far ahead. (laughs) Uh, Tonight we are going to be talking about a movie that um, Ben probably will not like. I enjoyed it simply because on June 7th, 2011, Green Lantern Emerald Knights got released. Ten days before we got the Yellow Fear Monster of Shit. So it's sort of like a beauty ugly thing where you have like a Picasso next to a pile of manure and you're like, oh, okay. Pretty much. Um, but it's not Picasso. It's more It's more like a finger painting next to a pile of manure. But... Alright, all right. before we get too far into this, I have one other thing I want to say. The people that did Batman Gotham Knight... Watch this fucking movie. This is how that type of story is supposed to be fucking told, damn it. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, you got a Picasso next to a pile of shit. You know what I'd say? That's a mighty fine-looking pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, that, Picasso. (laughs) (laughs) I know that Neil was not a Picasso fan, and most of his later work is shit. Okay, should all of his said, later work. Should we have said Da Vinci, Ben? <laughs> well, yeah, Da Vinci. <laughs> because you know, because you know the secret about the, about the 
Christ's legacy is in the Da Vinci's. No. Yeah. Um, like, oh, okay, finally I got it. For- I, I really dig this movie simply because it's not a Hal Jordan story. <laughs> Hal is pretty much narrating all of the intertwining stories here. Um, I love the animation on it. I think it's great. Um, anytime, doesn't matter if the character is purple or not. Anytime Kelly Who does voice acting, I love it. Uh, I don't know. I just, I really like this one. I like the fact that it was an overall linking story, even though it still told six or however many individual stories it was. Um, I don't know. I just really liked this one. It was, it was more enjoyable to me than Batman Gotham Knight. I almost like this a little bit more than First Flight, but I respect and like First Flight for what it did because it brought new voices to those characters of uh, Hal and Sinestro and all that stuff. I don't know. What about you, Neil? Um, Well, I certainly do agree that it's better than Gotham Knight. However, (laughs) uh, I think you could have, like, cut about half the length off this and just made it an episode of uh, Justice League. It... It, it seemed like it seemed like something that should be like a regular episode of a program and not yeah. a movie. It, it doesn't know. it doesn't have an epic feel. Even that that's the thing that 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 startles me is you have something coming from the antimatter universe through a through a sun the size of a planet and it feels underwhelming. Yeah, it, that, it, it it's it doesn't feel like a movie. That's the biggest that's the biggest fault of it. I mean. Uh, first flight felt like a movie. This doesn't feel like a movie. This 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 feels less than what heavy metal is, and heavy metal was also an anthology story. This is less than that. This is this is basically several linking stories that. And honestly, I I didn't like the Kilowog story at all. I thought that it diminished who Kilowog was instead of giving more depth to the character. I think it diminished why Kilowog is Kilowog in in that he's just parroting someone else. Yeah. The kill the Kilowog story in this for me just I as I said I like the animation I like most of the voice acting in this but the Kilowog story kind of took me out of it really what I like is the end of the film honestly is that final story about going up against Krona um, and all that that's what I really like about the film but as great and awesome and epic as Henry Rollins is he should not have voiced Kilowog. It did not work, and, and like I said, it's it's just it's just a weird thing because having Krona come out of the sun and having them push Oa into him to kill him, and and having Mogo show up to help, th- this should be such an epic moment. But the buildup is so slow and so lackadaisical; you don't really get that sense of uh, dread or sense of uh, urgency. It just it by the time it gets there and they start ramping up the music and the scenes and stuff, it just like comes in. If you miss two minutes of it, guess what? Oh, you missed the climax. Okay, yeah, because everything else seemed like business as usual. Oh yeah, we evacuated. Oh okay, yeah. Let, let's just just you know form in lines and be real calm about everything and just talk really calmly with each other. No no sense of urgency in these characters. Yeah. It, this is supposed to be like 
the final battle, and there's no urgency at all. It's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, if we die, then we just die, and the ring goes to someone else. Yeah, everybody dies, so on. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. It, it, there's no urgency in these characters, and that throws off the pacing something fierce, in my opinion. Yes. Um, to me, the, the the big villain at the end, he didn't, fall, he didn't feel like he was built up at all. He just... It, you. Yeah, there's Kinda. no build-up. It's just all of a sudden he's here, and if you leave the room for two minutes right before he shows up and then right after he, he's vanquished, you wouldn't know it because it wasn't amping up to that. I did like the Mogo story. And oh, the Mogo story is awesome. The Mogo yeah, story yeah, Mogo is great. The Mogo story is awesome. That, that That is the most credit I'll give for this. The Mogo story is awesome. It's one of the best stories I've seen. It's one of the best renditions of Mogo I've seen. But, like I said, the pacing killed this for me it totally killed this for me because you have all the the lanterns in a single file line you know just very lackadaisical and and calm you know even though krona this this being that all the guardians themselves can harm had to banish to an alternate uh, anti-mayor dimension in in and everyone's just so calm yeah i mean there was more emotion and more you know, sense of urgency when Kyle Rayner said in Justice League Unlimited, we're drawing a line here. And then Amazo came through and just blasted right through the line. Yeah. <laughs> but there was more emotion in Kyle saying that in Justice League Unlimited than there was in this entire movie. I, I Like I said, it's if even if they just did some stuff with with the score, with the musical score... To, yeah. to add some sense of urgency, but there was none of that. I think the, the problem here is they they have the you know number one they're having the story being told from the point of view of Aresia, and you know as everyone knows she's she's pedo bait, but uh, she's <laughs> underage. She's underage. You should know. I tagged him in a Facebook image. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this just in. The whole thing is, you know, she's supposed to be like a student, and oh, I remember in a class that matter and antimatter can't touch, so we're going to hit them with matter. And they're like, oh, okay, let's just do that. It's it's extremely un- underwhelming. I did like some ideas for the stories. I did like the the, the idea behind the first Green Lantern story, but the the story itself, it just yeah, it didn't feel think- right. I think for me, my two favorite stories out of this were, um, is it Lyra? Yeah. Yeah. I liked her story, and I liked, the Mo- obviously, the Mogo story. Kilowog's story just... It reduced just, who Kilowog was. Yeah. Let's be honest. Much. Because because it makes it to where Kilowog's whole attitude, the poozer thing, he's parroting someone else. And this was not in anything else. This was an original story just for this. Yeah. And in the process of trying to create Kilowog a backstory, they reduced him. They reduced who he was as a as a character, who he was as a trainer, and who he was as a Green Lantern. And yeah. but but the other story, the one about the planet and the daughter and the father, yeah, it was interesting. But I have to say that it really, I really didn't feel much in the way of uh, emotion for these characters because we we just sort of. Uh, thrown into the situation where this girl's going against her whole family and we have no backstory to it other than right when we see it and it just sort of dumps it all on us at once and you don't have enough time to create an emotion. Well, that's because the way that they did this was, as you said, Ben, it's it's 
telling them the story as Aresia is learning it from Hal. So, I mean, Hal is basically, narr- I mean, he's narrating the whole movie. Well, then he's a shitty storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this just in. Hal Jordan is the shittiest storyteller of all time. <laughs> well, he's not, at least he's not Jeff Johns. Oh. oh God, we're not going there. We're not. We'll be here all night if we. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm making a joke. But like <laughs> I said, like I said, I think the fact that this, the fact that the pacing and the tone of the first seventy five percent of the movie totally threw me off. And other than the Mogo story, I really can't pin down anything I like in the other individual stories. So, what about you, Neil? Anything else in the other individual ones that you liked? Mm. <laughs> Let's see. Lyra's costume. Oh, oh yeah, everybody likes <laughs> Lyra's costume. Mm. I liked how she used her powers, though. I, I liked how she used the lantern powers. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, good, and, good fight choreography. Oh, yeah, that fight between her and the and, and Dragon Daddy, that was awesome. One th- My two nitpicks um, for this... Again, goes back to the fact that this Hal Jordan is the shittiest storyteller of all time. He says there had to be chaos in order for there to have, you know, in order for them to have order. And I'm like, well, of course you have to have chaos to get order. Duh. Nietzsche says out of chaos comes order. Oh, blow it out your ass, Howard. And then the other one was, um, and, and this is such a nitpick and I know and I'm not taking points off the movie for this, but on the planet Jade, they mentioned that they follow the golden dragon. And I'm thinking your planet is named after a shade of green. Why are you not worshiping a green dragon? <laughs> well, the golden dragon, it's uh, because they have, they have a uh, crab legs on the Friday night uh, buffet. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I heard that name. I'm like, Oh, I think I've been there before. Good hot and sour soup. <laughs> it, it, uh, when, when your secret society, when when, you, when your government is named after a, uh, a Chinese takeaway, <laughs> takeout, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, it's just so. Oh, god. at least it wasn't the Latroy Dragon. The yeah, Latroy Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was going to be attacked by a giant, giant Muppet. <laughs> and around this time that this movie came out, as, as, as I said before, it came out 10 days before Van Wilder was Green Lantern. Um, the one thing that during this time that really made me excited for anything Green Lantern was... The Muppets parody trailer with Kermit in a Green Lantern suit. That was friggin' oh, awesome. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> oh, Do you wear my banjo? <laughs> Green froggy flight. Uh... Something in my throat. <laughs> oh, man. And that trailer is a million times better than the movie. The Green Lantern movie. Oh, well, yeah, the Muppet teaser, yeah, is, is a million times better than the actual film. Uh, as far no, it's as, not in Swedish. <laughs> as far as this movie, uh, as far as what it made, which is it's actually kind of sad at this point, um, it currently, up until the next one that we'll get to in the spotlight, it currently is the 
one that has made the least amount of money, coming in at $2,572,000. It sold 180,847 units. Wow. Do you think, do you think DC Asylum themselves? The only one that has made less up to this point before we get to next week's episode was the when they did the DC Universe uh, Showcase uh, Shorts Collection. That made $3,799,000. Yeah, but, but seriously, a seri- the serious question is, do you really think that this movie was put out at that timetable because DC asylums themselves? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I made a new verb. <laughs> they totally asylumed themselves. Yes. They chop-kicked uh-huh. themselves. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty, pretty bad. Um, as far as, you know, rating this movie, uh, from, it's so weird. I, I originally rented this on iTunes just so I could see it when it came out. Um, and iTunes is being so weird. I went to rent it again to, to watch it before we did the recording tonight, and it wouldn't let me. It said, this should already be in your queue, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. So I had to actually buy it. I, I don't mind buying it. I, I like the movie enough where I don't mind spending the money on it. But I had to actually buy it again to even get it into iTunes again. Um, for me, I would say it's a rent at best. Uh, currently, it is not on Netflix. So for me, I would say it's a two or a three. What about you, Neil? Yeah, I'll give it a two. It, ben? I, oh, I, go ahead, Neil. I, Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, a two, I think, is watch it if it's free. Yeah. I'd say if you're really curious to rent it if you really want to, but I wouldn't recommend it. I, I give this a two. I, I wouldn't say don't watch it, but don't put money down under it because it's. I don't think it deserves any more money than it already got. I don't, I don't think we have to award mediocre with money. Yeah. So I give this a two and, a, and an upper decker. <laughs> the one thing we've forgotten this entire discussion so far was we forgot to talk about the voice cast, which we have these side-by-side comparisons from behind the voice actors. Uh, Nathan Fillion, Jason Isaacs, Elizabeth Moss, Henry Rollins, Arnold Vassalo, Gray Delisle, Michael Jackson II? Huh. Okay. Different Michael Jackson. Steve Bloom was a number of voices in this Um, and as I said uh, Kelly Who uh, Kelly Who? No, not Kelly Who Who? Dude, bad joke Um, Who's on first? (laughs) Who's on stage? Yeah, there you go Uh, I mean, honestly, looking at this voice casting I mean, Steve Bloom has four different roles in this entire thing so this is pretty much the Steve Bloom movie well, to me, it feels like this This was something with, it didn't exactly, to me, feel like it had a lot of thought behind it. It felt like it was basically there and then done. And then, like I said, other than the Mogo story, I, I did enjoy this. And yeah, and Mogo don't need no voice actor. <laughs> no. Uh, I it, as far as the voices of Green Lantern so far that we've gotten... Between David Boreanaz, uh, uh, Stabler, um, Chris Maloney, and Nathan Fillion, I still like David Boreanaz's version of Hal Jordan the best. I'd have Uh, to say Stabler more so for me because I don't think they gave Nathan Fillion anything to really sink his teeth into it. No, they didn't. 
He doesn't. He in the entire movie, he. Do, I mean, I don't think he changed the tone of his voice at all. He was like, it was almost a deadpan, but not quite. Right, right. But the entire movie, they're like, "Go get ready. We have to go take care of Corona. Go get ready." And then you see all these lanterns going up to the central power battery, standing in line, pacing, standing in line. Brightest day, blackest night, blah blah blah. Green Looney Tune, uh, you know, Liberty adjusts for all. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The, the only one in this entire movie that actually gave a good, like, really emphatic version of the oath was Abin Sir at the end, or during that whole story there. Um, you don't hear Nathan at, as hell at all say it. I mean, you hear him say it, but you don't hear him say it as normally the Green Lantern of Earth would say it. He, he says he says it like, yeah, he says it like, uh, okay, yeah, let's see here, um, password is blah, 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 okay, yeah. done. It, it's, like I said, the tone, the whole tone of it killed it for me because the tone is very slow and methodical and, and business as usual. You don't have a sense of urgency. None of these characters gave you that sense of urgency. None of the writing did. None of the music did. It was just a sense of business as usual. I don't remember. Was there a short along with this one? I wish I remembered. I don't know. Um, looking it up, actually. I don't... Let's see. Green Lantern, film features, voice talents of... I don't think there was. Uh, it doesn't have anything on the on the DVD case, so I, I don't think there was a short with this one. I think I think it, the, around this time they were releasing that showcase thing. Yeah, Superman, Captain, uh, Captain Marvel, Return of Black Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, but it, you know, it is on DVD, single disc, two disc, and, and Blu-ray plus digital download. Um, I, I don't know. I liked it. I I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed watching trailers for Van Wilder as Green Lantern. So there is that, I guess. <laughs> so I think we're gonna take a quick break. You're gonna hear some ads, and we're gonna come back. Uh, to close the show. We'll be back after this. You can now hear the Geekcast Radio Network while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is a free news and talk mobile app available for your smartphone. And when you download Stitcher to hear Geekcast Radio, you'll have a chance to win money. Downloading is quick and easy. Just find Stitcher in the App Store. During registration, hit the promo code box and enter Geekcast Radio, all one word, to get automatically entered to win $100. The latest episodes of the shows will be waiting for you and your favorites. You'll get access to lots of other amazing shows, too. Always available to you on demand. No syncing. It's Stitcher Smart Radio. Don't forget to enter promo code Keycast Radio when you register. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, GeekCastRadio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on GeekCastRadio.com. 
Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFGO and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to TuneCast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find TuneCast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Well, that's TuneCast. I'm actually surprised we got 21 minutes out of this movie. <laughs> I'm surprised they got 21 minutes out of that movie. <laughs> it felt longer than it was. <laughs> oh, I was, no, I was looking the at the clock and I'm like, I was halfway through. I was like, "Oh my god, only forty minutes have gone by!" Damn. <laughs> oh wait, what? What is this? Episode twelve for Tooncast Beyond? That's right. This one. See, I'm glad at least you agree that the that the tone and the pacing is what killed it, Mike. Oh no, I I totally agree. I still love the voice acting for the most part for what these characters are, except for Henry. And Nathan Philly. My my problem with Kilowog is I will always hear Dennis Haysbert from Justice League. It's the one voice for animated Kilowog. I don't I don't care what kind of animated design. I don't care if Kilowog was done up in the style of Gotham Knights anime style. I don't care if it's even that. As long as it's Dennis Haysbert's voice, I don't care. That's the voice that I recognize with Kilowog now. Not even uh, John DiMaggio. Which. He was in First Flight, wasn't he? Duck Dodgers. Oh, Duck! Do- oh God, that's on a whole. That's on a whole <laughs> different level, though, Ben. That's not. <laughs> it's John DiMaggio. I know it's John DiMaggio, and that's awesome. But like in the actual realm of superhero cartoons that are not a parody of themselves, that wasn't a parody. That was a loving homage. <laughs> so it was a loving homage, just like All Star, All Star Superman, which. I didn't make this joke during the All-Star Superman record because I know Ben would probably hang up the Skype call, but <laughs> look at that title. All-Star Superman. That movie is ass. <laughs> wow. It's called All-Star <laughs> Superman because it was one of the things that DC was doing at the time was publishing the All-Star titles. All-Star Batman is terrible. Uh, All Star Batman was Frank Miller. I, I'm just saying Frank Look Miller, the, and you have such li- the acronym for the movie. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> Go find a copy of All Star Batman and tell me how much of that you can read before you you tear huh? it up in disgust. Okay. All Star Batman had a scene. I know that's, we're joking around here, but you're not really getting it. I'm not making fun of. I know, I know, but I think you really have to understand I'm what making All-Star, fun of the title. <laughs> I know, I know, but. Let me tell you about All-Star Batman before we get back to the show. Okay. All-Star Batman was something Frank Miller wrote and had uh, Jim Lee draw, so I hear Neil Seigel ready. <laughs> Neil? Jim Lee. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> Our nemesis. 
Issue number three had a famous scene where where Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, is going to confront Batman over something, and he enters this room that he heard Batman's in, and Batman has painted himself and the whole room and everything in the room bright yellow. Oh my god. And he's drinking a lemonade. Oh my god. And then he proceeds to beat the crap out of Hal Jordan just to be an asshole. This is is like the worst thing ever. It's like Frank Miller trying to be cutesy and it was terrible. Let me see if I can find a scan of this. The only way that could be worse is if if he just whipped it out and started peeing on him. This is yellow too. Ah. Oh yeah, I found it. It's worse than I remember. Oh, what I love is is All-Star Batman also had goddamn Batman, goddamn Bat, goddamn this, goddamn that, thrown in every other line. Oh, God wow. damn it. Holy hell. <laughs> Did you it, say holy hell? No, I said holy hell, not holy hell. Okay. It looks like Batman visited the Golden Lagoon. <laughs> oh, so, what, so wait, does that mean Hal Jordan is Beachcomber? But but just look at this, look at this. I, Batman's drinking a lemonade. And <laughs> this is so bad. Neil, you got anything to say? I'm just, I'm speechless. <laughs> and because the whole the whole uh, room is yellow, it looks like he's hanging out at like Autobot headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. What do you think of that? Just that. Wow. Yeah. It gets worse. Yeah, that's bad, dude. That's. I would rather watch. No, the issue starts in a very lovely way. It has it has a oh, I love the scaring contest picture with the with the Hal and the, oh god, this is so bad. <laughs> and look at that Jim Lee art. I want to hear to? I want to hear Neil talk about what <laughs> <this> picture. <laughs> Neil, tell me what's wrong with this picture. Do I have to look at yes, it? Yes, yes, you do. You, you'll be all right, dude. It's not gonna kill you. Oh. It's not gonna kill you. <laughs> what's wrong with it other, other than the fact it was drawn by Jim Lee what did Jim Lee do wrong it looks like I'm looking, I'm looking. <laughs> see all those see all those wrinkles in the glove across the top of Batman's hands Ew. oh yeah knuckles. do gloves wrinkle like that no, no. Uh, the, the other thing that I'm noticing <laughs> look at how thick their necks are oh I know it the other thing I'm noticing about it is it looks to me on, on Batman's side that uh, it looks like he has ears protruding from the side of his face instead of, I mean, you know, you have the ear at the top of the costume, but just the way that that's shaded, it looks like that he has a, it looks like the mask is totally different. It looks like he has an ear coming out of the side of his face. Yeah. Um, and then this whole image of Hal, he looks like Sinestro. Yeah, he does. <laughs> what about the, is that stubble? Uh, on Batman or on... On Batman. Yeah, that's that's definitely a 7 o'clock shadow. Um, you know what this actually reminds me of? Uh, this reminds me of the, um, the JLU cardbacks, the DC Universe 75th anniversary toy cardbacks on the, on the figures, because you have that, that yellow burst flash bubble in, in, in the background. Man, oh wow! Read, read the so... read the read the last two uh, caption blocks. No, thank you. I already read, read it. Read it. The, the, this is actually really bad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Oh, seriously? 
like I said, I just thought that the image of Batman sitting back drinking a lemonade in a yellow painted room, painted yellow, was just so stupid. And then Frank, and then I remember, and then I remember that Jim Lee drew it. That's a lot of trouble to go through. <laughs> and and you'd think that Hal would be able to smell the paint from like <laughs> a mile <laughs> away. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Oh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, I'll just grab something really heavy and drop it on the roof. <laughs> that would work. Roof's not yellow. But uh but yeah, the issue before this was the one where Wonder Woman showed up and that one Frank Miller has this odd idea of what Wonder Woman is like. She's like a man hater. She's like walking down the street, she pushes a man down on the ground by while screaming, Move it sperm bank. Oh yeah, I remember that. Good lord. Alright, let's get this on the road so we can get this one done. <laughs> okay, dear lord, don't let me be misunderstood. Okay, and we're back! Yes. Uh, oh, man. You guys have to go over to animationaficionados.com and listen to the extended version of this episode because what Ben just put Neil and I through is just horrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was freaking torture. And uh, there's like a nice t- tall glass of lemonade. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless it's a Long Island iced tea. No. <laughs> okay, so any other notes on this episode or of this movie, the Green Lantern Emerald Knights? I don't think so, and I'm repressing my urge to say that catchphrase because I hate that wrestler. Say it. No. The you, know, you say it for At the end of the episode, I just kept thinking, okay, Mogo's here. What if Unicron shows up? <laughs> Personally, I was waiting for Ego to show up. <laughs> Ego? The Living Planet? Marvel Comics? Yes, yes. yes. Galactus' no enemy? No. The Unicron reference is better. <laughs> you brought them there for a purpose? Yeah. All right, so thank you for joining us here on the Tooncast Beyond Animation of Fish Nottos Crossover. There's so ways to get in contact with us to leave feedback for the show. Visit the websites, geekcastradio.com and animationaficionados.com. You can comment on each of our episode posts. Leave the show's feedback in iTunes. We are still trying to get Toon Beyond in iTunes. i got to email those, those stupid people. Follow us on Twitter. The show name there is Tooncast Beyond. Mine is TFG and Mike. Neil, what is your Twitter? Neil Sama. And Ben, what is the AA Twitter? A aficionados. Become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash geekcast radio network and facebook.com slash animation aficionados. Call the voicemail line. Tell us the show you're leaving the message for and your name. 502-526-5821. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tune Beyond and Animation Aficionados and wish you'll join us next time when we'll be continuing the DC Universe animated movie spotlight with... Batman Year One. For now, I am TFG One Mike with Cheebies Studio and Ben. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Good night. Okay, Okay, you guys said it both at the same time. Lovely. but he sure knows how to make an entrance.
Hey gang, and now some bonus material from Bob Mackey. It just really bugs me. People just just say, "How do you feel about X Men Evolution?" First off, uh, I didn't I didn't watch a lot of it, but it seemed competent enough to me. And the animations are actually good. I mean, it, it, I don't think it was particularly good, but it wasn't like it was. Um, like I said, it was competent. It wasn't like anything like Batman or you know. But uh, I, I didn't I didn't hate it, you know. And you know that's the thing. It's it's not just it's not just. You know, people we talk to, it's like there's there's like IGN's top list puts uh, X the Fox X Men series really high on the list. Hmm, that's weird. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I guess it it is to me. It's inexplicable why so many people like it, but uh, a lot of people do. And uh, I don't know if you watch many internet reviewers, do you? Uh, there's a few I watch, but uh, like uh, Red Letter Media, his He's stuff okay. is always really good. Um, I got maybe I guess not a lot, just like so, sort of the few big guys. Okay. Um, there, there's one guy that's uh, Doug Walker, the nostalgia critic. Oh yeah, I know who that is. I've seen yeah. his he, stuff. He he did he did an ex, he did an episode of his little review show where he he was sucking the cock of Fox's X Men for like 20 minutes. Oh, because at first I yeah. thought you were gonna say like he takes it down, and I was gonna say I should see that, but that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, and he shows like all the wonky scenes that we just talked about, all the shittiest awesome. animation. Yeah, he talks about yeah. this is. Awesome. And then you're like, is that sarcasm? Because no, no, he, he, I'm watching. He, I have the video running silently in the background. I'm just watching, uh, and it, it's kind of scary. Of what? Uh, sorry, the original X Men cartoon. Yeah. yeah, and it's everything I remember. Yeah, and like I said, it was just it's such a dishonest review because he didn't even like have the have the actual intellectual uh, honesty to say the animation doesn't hold up or the animation doesn't age well. No, he acts like it's just as awesome today as the day it was he saw it. As a kid, yeah. I think the problem was with that show and like a lot of uh, similar shows is that they did not um, care, like tear down the uh, character designs to work for animation. Oh and, yeah, and these studios were obviously not competent enough to render something that complicated, you know, twelve frames per second or whatever. So that's why it was all mushy and weird looking. Well, yeah, that's exactly what happened because uh, Marvel Animation, Marvel uh, Productions, was used to uh, sending stuff out to uh, Toei Animation. Which is a competent Japanese studio that oh, yeah, did Transformers, Transformers season one and all that, and uh, now they sent the Acom and act like they were get, getting the same results from Toei, which they yeah. weren't. Yeah, the designs yeah, they, on it. I'm watching it now. They they strike me as like designs from a like Toei animated show, but you know animated poorly by someone else. Like they sort of have the anime face structures and sort of that that same sort of like old you know 80s outsourced animation look, but obviously not done well at all. Yeah, you really didn't get anyone who who changed the. Uh, the whole theory behind doing that until like uh, Bruce Tim, uh, Bruce Tim, and then uh, John Chris Lucy at the same time. Yeah, and I think they even they even worked together at some point. Maybe I think I'm wrong. They did, yeah, I know a lot of people worked on that Mighty Mouse uh, cartoon. A lot. Oh of yeah, that's probably where it was because I and know it, John K was on there. Yeah, Bruce Tim actually worked on the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, he did. What I love is the story about how he worked on Tiny Toons and how he hated it. <laughs> I did not hear that, but uh, what did he say? Um, basically, he was working in Tiny Toons, and uh, somebody popped into his cubicle and said, "Hey, uh, hey, you're you like comics, right? Do you want to work on like a on a pilot for uh, a Batman cartoon?" He's like, "God, yes." <laughs> I've heard lots of stories of animators who just wanted to get out of Tiny Toons, like uh, uh, a bunch of the Spumco guys were like, "Oh God, yeah, we're gonna go to Spumco and leave this cartoon." That's right. Yeah, a lot of those guys came from. I totally forgot about that. Uh, like almost right from Tiny Toons. In fact, one of one of the stories that ended up in uh, Ren and Stimpy was originally a Tiny Toons. Oh, which one? Uh, 
the haunted house one. It was going to be uh, uh, who's the pig? I, I, it was going to be uh, Hampton. Yeah, Hampton and Go Go Dodo. Uh, we're going to go to this uh, haunted house, and they changed it to Ren and Stimpy and made it a Ren and Stimpy cartoon. Yeah, the the bloody head fairy was going to be Elmer Fudd, but they changed it yeah. to a Doug Funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. And once once you realize that that's what it was, then you're like, oh, because there was there was a Porky Pig haunted house cartoon back in like the 40s. Right. No, that makes sense. And John Kay is in love with the 40s. Oh as yeah. Far as animation He's, goes. Uh, I, I, I love I love John Kay sending his his uh, tryouts for Tiny Toons. Oh, because all of them are marked with the real names, just like Little Bugs and <laughs> <Yeah>. Little Because <Daddy. laughs> that's who they were. What I love what I love is how how he how they rejected his original designs that were really wacky. And he says, "Oh, they want to they want them to look like malnourished and retarded." Okay. <laughs> yeah, they did drew- he um? Did he actually? <laughs> Uh, are these online anywhere? Did he actually like put these up? Yeah. Uh, are they on his blog? Yeah. I, I want to see these. Yeah, I think they're on his blog. You really have to dig to find them. But they're yeah, hysterical. he writes a lot. That's cool. I had no idea he uh, he at least tried out for the show or sent in a package or something. That would have been really interesting to see a Spumco episode of Tiny Toons. <laughs> it would have, would have been refreshing from uh, the uh, the Glenn Kennedy stuff. Oh, yeah. Which was any time you saw the, the Bounce and Squish episodes. Oh. Yeah, tongue two three. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I'm remembering this. No, first Acom. Yeah, like, uh, and when, whenever they would work on another show and they didn't really do that, you would immediately notice it was them. <laughs> Just well, like would, the characters. There's was... there was this one dance they would always put. Uh, he would always put in all his episodes like this weird dance. Yeah, it was the, the characters the, would do the kicking dance. Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> and that would also pop in a, into a, a pup named Scooby Doo. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, I know. Hit, yeah, Glenn Kennedy or whatever was um, one of the main people on that show. And he also worked on Darkwing Duck, but I think Disney was like, "No, you're not going to do that." Well, I love. Well, yeah, I love this. he never he never calls it Tiny Toons in the in the post. He calls it Looney Tunes Babies. Oh, the, the uh, you're talking about John K. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. Oh, I'm seeing these now. Yeah, John K. is you know. He's a little pompous, but he's he's definitely a treasure. <laughs> he's got some uh, crazy ideas, and I'm not a fan of uh, like some of his recent stuff. But he he knows he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he's a big fan of uh, not Robert Kimson, uh the other one, uh, Bob, Bob Clampett. Yeah, Clampett. Yeah, that's yep. right. Oh, Elmer and Drag. I love this one. <laughs> Elmer and Drag. <laughs> I think I think the story is um, they uh, they had no idea what the show was going to look like. They just you know. Ordered a bunch of episodes and then sent them out to different studios. And when once they got all the Kennedy ones back, I think Steven Spielberg was like, "We're never using them again." After he watched the episodes, Spielberg or somebody higher up, which is why they weren't uh, using Kennedy animation after that. Yeah, two, they, disappeared. Three. they disappeared in season two. Oh, what I love is uh, I, I recently rewatched the Jetsons movie. It's yeah. a, oh, a pile I've of seen that. It's a pile of shit because Judy Jetson's voiced by Tiffany, <laughs> and Glenn Kennedy is the animator. Oh no! Does the dance <laughs> yeah. show up in the movie? No. Yes. Oh, it does. It? Yes. But yeah, <laughs> take take a look at take a look at the Elmer drag. I must have blocked that out of my memory. Um, is that in so, the John K. Uh, blog post? Yeah, I, I just posted yeah. it. the tunes to Elmer and Drag. Okay. Oh wait. Oh yeah, I forgot Elmira. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, this is this is where this is where he. I enjoy uh, him looking down at his genitals. Yeah. <laughs> Man, he is. I, I love how he puts this. The idea is to make their brains giant size and give them tiny vestig- vestigial bodies. Okay, got it. 
And then he and then he draws what he thinks. Always oh, eager to please, I changed direction and offered my own big brain versions. Wow. <laughs> These are great. See, just knowing how John K. thinks, I think he knew what they wanted, but he just decided to be an asshole anyway. He's like, he's like, this is a piece of shit. I'm going to show you. <laughs> do you like do you like his own version, big brain versions? I like uh, I like the note uh, the animation notes uh, maintain volume on head piles. Yeah, and then him a uh, picture of uh, Buster leaning over and just his head like leaking off of his skull. His plucky's <laughs> his plucky's pretty good. It looks like Baby Huey actually. I love it. Hey, I think you're trying to kill me. Yeah, those are great. Thanks for pointing that out. I I did not see that. Sometimes John Kay's blog uh, pisses me off, and I stop reading it for about a year, and then go back to it. Yeah. And sometimes he gives you a piece of gold that like redeems him for all time. Yeah, like this his- this history stuff is uh is amazing. I I love reading about it. Yeah, yeah, it's just really funny. It's I'm gonna try to uh, gonna try to take some more audio clips. So Neil, what we're we doing next week? Um, Inspector Gadget. If uh, well, we do have Space Captain Steve coming back. So yeah, yay. Yeah, Space Captain Steve of of uh, uh, Blade Kitten, so the the odd video game connection right there. Oh, that's right. Blade Kitten is a uh, yeah. it's like an uh, Xbox Live Arcade game. Yeah. Okay. That's See, I and I I ran across uh, Steve like years ago, and I knew him, and the guy never told me that he ran Chrome Studios, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> why didn't you tell me? Oh Neil, yeah, I got that's something the... funny. I got something for tail, Neil. What? Uh, on my Twitter, Fez posted, "Quick, can anyone give me an episode of Teen Titans with a great example of Starfire's personality?" I responded. <laughs> and you answered no. I answered she never had one. Oh, yeah, that could grumble, grumble. Yeah, it's a Neil and I are doing a block of episodes where we will uh, have people who will defend shows that we bashed. That sounds like fun. Yeah, and the. Uh, t- Teen Titans was one of those shows that we bashed a lot because it deserves it. I would agree. And another show that we bash a lot that is coming up is uh, The Crap Man. Which is The Batman. The Crap Man. Yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't know that joke. So Well, I think like, he would know what show I'm talking about just by the name. You're talking about like the 2003... Uh, yeah. The Crap Man, yes. Yeah, like they sort of were trying to be like the animated series, but they didn't have the balls to go through with it. Oh, do you know what the producer of that show, the executive producer and vice president of of, of Cartoon Network, said about that show versus the the Bruce Tim Batman the animated series? Uh, what he said before one episode was even aired, before the reviews were out, he was interviewed and he was asked what was the difference between his show and the Bruce Tim series, and he said in this interview, unlike Bruce Tim's show, my show will appeal to more than twenty eight year old virgins that live in their mother's basements. Uh, wow. What uh he yeah. he went said it to the press. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, ballsy. And I, uh, what he gave us what he gave us was Batman done in the style of Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah, I was just gonna put like whatever terrible studio was that like Sunbow or something. I forget. I don't know. Um, they, they did that in Men in Black, and they rolled just hideous looking. No, it wasn't the Men in Black studio. It was a, a studio that was really bad. It was oh. like Lotto Animation did some parts of it. But what I love is uh, is Neil has never seen this cartoon before until a few days ago. Well, I knew of it, but I also knew to stay away from it. Well, I watched since... one episode uh, out of sheer you know curiosity. It was the first one. It was when they had like the Rasta Joker. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is I showed Neil this that same episode just yesterday, and. Neil just was in disbelief because there's no bat signal. 
What's what the SAF said deal? He has a bat cell phone. What was it called? The Bat Wave? Yes. That's true, yeah. I think that was just made to sell a toy, pretty much. Yeah. That's what it feels like. But I think the problems go much deeper than that. It's got that weird like half half anime style that is well, it, never it's appealing. Jeff Matsuda's artwork and Jeff Matsuda sucks. Oh, that's the name yeah. of the guy? Okay, yeah. Maybe yeah. Every anytime you see the flat fingers and the concave face, you know it's him. His face is fucking concave. Yeah, he did one of the the Spider Man's. Uh, which one was? Or no, was that only a pilot? He, no, he didn't do even do the pilot. He was he was contracted to do the character designs, and then he didn't go with his character designs. Oh, okay, let me yeah. let me let me let me find it. This is this is where I showed that the the face is fucking concave because. People didn't believe me when I said that Jeff Matsuda sucks, and they say, "Well, why does he suck?" I say, "Because he draws all people's faces concave." And I'm like, "No, he doesn't." And I'm like, "One second. So And I- what's <laughs> weird about that design, and you can actually see this in in uh, the Batman, is Batman. that yeah, any any time the character's face turns, it has to distort because it just doesn't work in three dimensions. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? This Here guy, I just looked him up, and um. He had a, he had a lot to do with early Image Comics, and that's pr- kind of why I think he's terrible. Yeah, just like go. that that look was um, I don't know, just garish and awful. There you go. And apparently he uh, likes he he's friends with Rob Liefeld. Oh, another another classic. What do you think of that, Bob? Uh, let's see. The man who cannot draw feet. Yeah, the man who can't draw hands. A match me in heaven. His face is concave. Not just concave. Yeah, when you, yeah, concave. if you do a turnaround on that character, it just you're right. It would just like warp completely. Yeah, and what I love is Neil's reaction to the theme song. And Neil's like, "What kind of song is this?" It was the most un-Batman like theme song I've ever heard. <laughs> I should look this up. I mean, the the '60s surfer theme is more Batman than what they used. Uh, let's see. And what I love is every transition shot is like dissolves into bats. Yeah, there's the bat wave. Let's see what this theme song is. Oh, yeah. Oh man, his profile is really bad too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gross. Well, what I love is the second episode. They ripped off first shot a scene from the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. I guess it was of that era. Oh. Down to the angles. Oh, the the sweat drop thing where you're saying it. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of crappy. Not just crappy. That was kind of bullshit. Yeah, it was bullshit. Yeah, the, these heads are really bothering me. Just looking at them. <laughs> Yeah. It's like looking at a Nasher painting. It's like, how does that work? I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I got to get going. But uh, right. thanks a lot for having me on. I, right. I appreciate it. And when it goes up, I'll uh, I'll promote it uh, so other people okay. can listen to it. Sounds like you're okay. quite an animation aficionado yourself. You should come back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, uh, I'm big on, like, I was going to go to school for it, so I know my stuff. But uh, I'm mostly knowledgeable about, like, pre-2000 stuff. Good. As you can probably tell. So if you guys have any other topics, I'd be happy to jump on. Awesome. Oh, you want to let me know what you're into, you know, just, you know, shoot me a message. We we, we will, like, you know, stop our schedule to to uh, bump up favorite guests. So, uh, cool. yeah, well, we'd be glad to have you back, huh? I could talk yeah. a lot about, uh, I'm a big fan of, like, Warner Brothers stuff from that era, so. Of course. Yeah, Listen. we haven't really done that. So yeah. If you guys want to do that, I could well, probably to, jump I on. Well, I want to put on the schedule Tiny Toons versus Animaniacs. Mm, that'd be that'd be fun. You know, put the the last nail in that coffin there. I've seen pretty much all of it, so. Oh, do you oh, know about? By the way, this. Oh, go ahead, Ben. Do you know the story about the Jerry Lewis clown in Animaniacs? Oh, 
Uh, yeah, that was the whole the day the clown cried. Uh, yes, thing, <laughs> which is so funny because there are all these Hollywood in jokes in, in those shows that only people are finding out about you know since the internet came around, but. Back then, you know, people, writers in Hollywood would know these things, but, like, the audience would not. Yeah, I just, I just, I could just, Neil tells the story about how he imagines how the writing of that episode went, the planning. Yeah, or it was basically them pitching the idea of uh, Wacko being afraid of a clown, and then one of them just speaks up and says, let's make it Jerry Lewis. <laughs> and then the whole room erupts into laughter. Also, but, uh, like, uh, the the voice of Brain is pretty much completely taken from an Orson Welles outtake. Uh, but yeah, you guys yes, obviously always know what I'm is about. actually yes, always the episode Pinky the Brain called Yes Always. If you can grab the Orson Welles audio, it syncs perfectly. Yeah, it does. Um, and what I, I love, I, what I love is Orson Welles says, "Show me how to do this, and I will go down on you." In, yeah, in yeah. What the brain says, "Show me how to do this, and I'll make cheese for you." But if you look at the brain's lips moving, he's not saying "make cheese for you." <laughs> Okay, I know that's online because I, I watched it on YouTube after I found out about that uh, episode. And like I said, I just love the fact that the brain's lips aren't saying "make cheese for you." <laughs> yeah, yeah anyway, I, I it was, didn't see this. Yeah, it was good to have you on. Um, we have a short episode coming up, so we're gonna use this last like ten to fifteen minutes to kind of beef it up a little. So that's cool. And I'll, I'll kind of cut it down, but yeah, you're, you'll be in like more than one episode. Then. I have not said anything I'm ashamed of yet. So okay, well, I approve. And if you do, we will gladly. Uh, Omit it. Okay. Alrighty, All right. guys, I'm gonna get going. But uh, like I said, thanks a lot, and um, just drop me a line whenever it goes up, and I'll uh, I'll promote it for you. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Sweet. Take it easy. All right. See you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.